Hey, I'm Pastor Chris, and the teaching or conversation that you're about to hear is from the student ministry at Cedar Crest Bible Fellowship Church. If you have any questions or you'd like to get into contact with us, please visit us on our website at cedarcrest.church forward slash students. Now I pray that God would use this resource to richly bless you in your walk with Him. Because there are some very, very important just things we need to lay down at the outset. And the first one is this. God is speaking. God is not silent about the issue of gender, which is what we're talking about tonight. God is not silent. As a matter of fact, I can say it this way. God has spoken. The reason why I don't just say that, because his word is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And what God said 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 years ago, he is saying today. So God is speaking on this issue. Just because um, he's not speaking from the clouds, do not think he is silent. His word is written and he has spoken and is speaking today. And this is what he's saying. Here's some summary statements, okay? In general, about us as human beings. He says, I am the author and the authority of reality. I have written reality and I am the authority as far as to tell you what what is real and what is not. He tells us you are spiritually dead, deceived, damaged, and damned. What do I mean by that? I don't just mean people who question what gender they are. I mean, all of us, we're dead in our trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2. We've been deceived. We think lies. Our, uh, Jesus says in John 8 that our father, we have our, our father, the devil, who abides not in the truth. He, he cannot tell the truth. We are damaged. I don't mean that there's something wrong with you in contrast to somebody else. Our bodies are broken. They don't work the way they should. You try to catch a dodgeball and your finger goes out of joint. We're broken in all kinds of ways. Here, our bodies, everything. And we're also born damned. What do I mean by that? We're born, as, and once we get to an age of accountability, we are on our way to hell. Jesus says that those who do not believe, the Son are, believe in the Son are condemned already. Jesus says, unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sin. And that's what God wants. He tells us in His Word right off the bat. God also says, though, praise His name. I am the author and the accomplisher of redemption. God is the one that fixes this. God is the one who makes dead people alive. He makes deceived people see and believe truth. He makes damaged people whole. And he reverses it from being damned to hell to being adopted into his family in heaven. Praise his name. Praise his name. And then, in light of these foundational Bible truths about reality, he says, therefore, I am the author, authority, and redeemer of gender. God created gender. God has the right to tell us what gender is and what it is not. He has the right to tell you what gender you are and what you are not. And he also, for those who experience brokenness in in this area, is the only one who will bring healing to your heart and your soul. No doctor. No political party, only the Lord Jesus Christ will you find healing in this area. Here's what he tells you. I am the truth teller and soul healer for all, including those confused, hurting, and sinning 
with regards to gender. There are some who are just, they feel confused and they've chosen not to go there because they believe truth. But there are some who have decided to choose to go there and sin against God's design. And he says, I'm the one who heals and tells truth to all. Doesn't matter if you're struggling with this issue or not, but it applies to you. Here's a, listen to what Jesus says universally in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. He says, come to me. Those who know their gender. What does that say? What does that word say? What's all? All means what? Everyone. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. Does he describe what the burden is? It doesn't matter what the burden is. And I will give you rest, peace. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's what Jesus says to every single sinner who is damaged, deceived, dead, and who is born on their way to hell. That's what God is saying to you. Contrary to God, the world is shouting. The world is screaming. And it often screams to you through this. Through your phone. In the classroom. Through your friends. Through your teachers. Through the principals. And they tell you, no, these things are not true. Here's what the world says to you just on a basic level. Here's what Disney says to you. You are the author and the authority of reality. You live your own truth. You do you. Go ahead. Whatever you say is true for you is true for you. You are spiritually alive, capable, and perceptive. You are the only one who knows what's right for you. And you are vibrant and very capable of anything. You set your mind to it. You can do literally anything. I can disprove that in a moment. I cannot dunk on a 10-foot rim. No matter how much I set my mind to it, I can cheat, but I can't make my body do it. And they tell us, you are the author and accomplisher of your redemption. The world acknowledges that there's brokenness. And if you're confused about your gender, well, you can fix that. You can determine that. And then if there's something that you think you were born in the wrong body, you can, you can accomplish that your redemption. You can fix that. Therefore, they say, you are the author, authority, and redeemer of your gender. They say, anyone can claim at any time, based upon their internal experience, that they are male, female, or something else entirely. That's what the world tells you. Am I wrong or am I right on that? Based on what you're learning in school, what you're watching and seeing on TV, what, uh, what the government is telling us. All right, so I want to ask, I want to ask a, key, a key question, okay? And this is one you have to answer for yourself. You've got to answer this, young person. All of us at one point in time have to answer this question. Here it is. Do we as creatures or does God as creator have the ability and authority to tell us who we are? That's what this is all about. That's what this is all about. Do I have the right to, to say who I am and just speak it into being? Or am I subject to the one who made me? But you've got, you've, got, you've got to answer that question for yourself. Well, let's see what God is saying. 
We said that he has spoken, and let's see what he's saying about this particular issue, about gender, all right? Let's get into the pre-fall design, all right? The, what I mean by pre-fall is before Adam and Eve sinned. Does that make sense? In Genesis 1 through 2, it didn't take long for things to go horrible, horribly. Chapter 1, verse 26 through 31, and God said, let us make man, or that's mankind, in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That's pretty much everything. So God created man, and again, that's mankind, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, have lots of babies. Fill the earth and subdue it. Take care of the earth. Spread out over the earth. And have dominion, authority over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then we skip ahead. And it was so. And and God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very what? Good. All right. Genesis 1, 26. Through 31, we see that God determined that humanity would consist of two genders, which is binary. You hear uh, people say today that gender is non-binary. What they mean by that is it does not, it's not limited to just male and female. God created it this way, binary, two genders, male and female, from the beginning. God designed humanity to exist and flourish in two genders. <laughs> two genders. <laughs> just realized I can't put this finger down. <laughs> and then God designated humanity to reflect and represent him in two genders. What he means by he made us in his image is that he made us to be like him and then to image him. To go out into the world and to rule in his stead. We were called to be little kings and queens and rule this world underneath our ultimate king. Do you understand that? That's why you were made. To rule in God's stead and to be in, in his image bearer to the, to the birds and the, and the deer and the buffalo and the fish and the sharks. All the creation. No wonder the world and the evil one attack gender. Because when we live out gender the way God designed us to, it was to reflect his glory. And Satan hates it when, when God gets his glory. And the world hates it when God gets his glory. Satan takes everything that God makes and tries to turn it upside down. Everything. Literally everything. He's been doing this since the fall. With Adam and Eve, God created man first. And he created man and then he created woman to submit to her husband. And then he created man and woman together to rule the animals. And what does Satan do in chapter 3? He comes to Eve. He comes as an animal to Eve to get to the man, to get to God. He flips it. That's what he does with everything. Don't be surprised the world is is confused and attacking this. And it's not just them. There's a greater force behind it. Matter of fact, we learn from the book of Luke that God has allowed Satan to be the lower G God of this world and rule it for a time. But his time's coming. 
Genesis 2, 5 through 8, it says, And the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. Verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground uh, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature... That was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had formed from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said this at last. Is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Have the first crush right here. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. One union. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Alright. Again, what we see is that God decided to create man. God decided to create woman. This is like basic, but the evil one takes the fundamentals of the faith and tries. Because if you, if you get rid of the foundation of the faith, the whole faith goes. Okay? Adam and Eve, now this sounds elementary, but they did not decide to create themselves or call themselves man or woman. I mean, that sounds kind of like obvious, right? But it's true. God determined who would be man and who would be woman. He didn't create two neutral beings and say, okay, who wants to be a man? Who wants to be, oh, you both want to be men. Okay, that's a problem. I'll create two more. He didn't do that. He decided that Adam would be a man, and then he decided to create his complement, Eve. Adam and Eve did not determine who would be man and who would be woman, and God called two genders that were determined by him good. Good. And Adam rejoiced in two genders that were term, determined by God. He didn't complain. He, he saw his wife and was like, wow, this is at last what I was missing. God completed it. So some people say, yep, that was before the fall. Obviously, that's been broken. We, we don't have to follow that anymore. Well, let's look at the post-fall design and what God says about his design here. There's no doubt that design has been broken in many ways. It's been perverted. It's been twisted. We're going to get to something called intersex at the end. There are biological things even in people's bodies that because of the fall aren't right. But this is God's design. Look at Genesis 5, 1 through 2. This is after the fall. It says, this is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. And it affirms, male and female, he created them and blessed them as a result of this and named them man or mankind when they were created. Genesis 6, 17 through 19, with the flood, God commands that even with the animals, that they shall be male and female to preserve life. And then in Matthew, Jesus commenting on the uh, a question that he was asked by Pharisees, testing him. 
Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And he answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And then he quotes, That's why, this is why you shouldn't divorce your wife. What is Jesus doing here? Jesus has asked a question about sexual ethics. And what does he appeal to? Oh, guys, that's okay. We're in a fallen world. No, he appeals to God's original design. And that is where we go, brothers and sisters, to God's original design, his original intent for mankind. That's what the Lord Jesus taught us. Okay? God continued his design of two genders post-fall. God preserved, even with the animals, both male and female, in the flood to repopulate the earth. All right? And we, saw, we see that Noah obeyed. Noah submitted to this. And you're like, okay, but I get it. But I am struggling. Someone I know is struggling. God created humanity that way, broad brush. But what about, what about my individual struggle? What about my friend's individual struggle? Well, look at what we see. God has an intentional design for each and every single person that he makes, even today with sin in the world. David, in Psalm 139, this is way into a sinful world at this time. This is post-flood. For you, talking to God, formed my inward parts. You, God, knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well, because God had showed it to him. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven. He's talking about being developed in the womb. In the depths of the earth. This is poetry. Your eyes saw my unformed substance even before he was developing quite yet in his mother's womb. In your book were written every one of them. You already planned this out, he's saying. The days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. He's saying, you planned out my development. Those nine months, you charted them. Did you know that about yourself? All of you in this room who were conceived and are obviously born and growing up, God planned the nine or eight or seven, if you were preemie, months in your mother's womb. This is what he says. Look at this. The days that were formed for me, there's none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and am still with you. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, God, your thoughts about me? About your creation of me are so many, I can't even count them. Look at me. Yes, we live in a fallen world. But God did not make a mistake when he made you. He was very intentional and made you just the way you are. Maybe you're not struggling with gender tonight, but you're struggling with another area of identity in your life. And if I'm good enough or athletic enough or pretty enough or handsome enough or smart enough or attractive enough or funny enough... God made you just the way you are. And he made you to reflect him and represent him in his image and did not make a mistake. And if there is difficulty in your life, and by the way, there's difficulty in everyone's life, he wants to redeem that and use that for his glory and your good. All right. God is the sole creator of us, including our DNA and our sexual organs. God is intimately involved in the creation of all of us, as I've already alluded to. God intentionally made us how we are, with no detail escaping his hand or his mind, his heart, really. God thinks of us constantly and knows us now intimately. 
And our response to how God made us ought to be one of praise and thanksgiving, not unthankfulness and discontentment, no matter how hard it is. And I am not at all, listen, I want you to hear me tonight. I am not denying that if you struggle or your friend struggles with gender identity, that that feeling is not as real as can be. It probably feels way more real than these truths do. That's because we're broken people. And we need the word of God to tell us what is true when we feel what is not. Okay, really quickly. What is the Bible? That's God's teaching on gender. Very short, obviously, to save time. Transgenderism, principally, is actually explicitly forbidden in the Old Covenant. And this truth carries on into the New. Deuteronomy 22.5, this is one of the laws for the people of Israel that this principle carries on today. A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. Now let's talk about what exactly he's talking about. First and foremost, or principally, it's, it's cross-dressing. Or literally, it's cross-dressing. It's a man dressing up like a woman, or a woman dressing up like a man. God said, don't do that. It's an abomination to me. This is, this is one of the key words you know if it's just a civil rule for Israel and we don't have to follow it per se to the letter or if it's something that still stands. It's called an abomination to God. All right? The ability to understand one's biological gender here is assumed. Here and all throughout Scripture. All throughout Scripture. It's assumed that everyone knows that they're a man or if they're a woman. Okay? And it says if you're a man... You're not to dress like a woman. If you're a woman, you're not to dress like a man. There are clearly ways to present yourself that are in line with your biological gender. That's what this text assumes. In this day and age, it was a certain clothing that you wear. Okay? In our day and age, there's clothing that's associated with men and women. There's a little more mixing today than there was then. But here, you should not... Basically, here's the principle. You don't present yourself to be the opposite gender of what you are. And in this day and age, they didn't have things really like, you know, sex reassignment surgery. They couldn't really do that. If it happened, I'm sure it would have been forbidden. But the idea here is if you're a man, don't present yourself like a woman and vice versa. Presenting yourself as the opposite gender is an affront to God's glory because you are rebelling against the way he made you. And that's exactly what it is, which is, again, why I believe it is such an attack thing right now. In our culture. Jason Derucci sums it up like this. On the surface, the prohibition relates to what the APA terms gender expression. The way a person acts to communicate gender within a given culture through things like dress. At a deeper level, however, the law assumes a more fundamental rule. That there are only two biological sexes, male and female. And that what is gender normative in God's world is that one's biological sex should govern both one's gender identity and expression. Before divine wrath is poured out, this text provides a kind corrective to gender confusion and transgender identity. What he's saying is, this text assumes that there were people in the, in the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, who a man, there were men who wanted to dress like women, and vice versa. It assumes that problem. God is not ignorant as to what we struggle with. And he addresses it in his word for us. Okay? And what he's saying is that your biological makeup is 
matched with your gender expression. Meaning if you are sexually a man or a woman, you should express that in gender as well, in the way that you act and present yourself. All right? I'm not going to argue for specific cultural ways of doing that, um, but that's, that's what it's saying. All right. So in all of this, you have some, oh, wait a minute, hold on. What about this or what about that? I got to switch hands. Point with this way. Keep this pinky down. You ask, well, what about reassignment? Okay, so you say that somebody can, if they're, they, you said sex organs, so if they get those changed, what about that? Well, at a, at a DNA level, what determines is your XY and your XX chromosomes, and those cannot be changed. And I read that there, we have somewhere 27 trillion of those in our body. That's a lot. That's a lot. And I am drawing a blank really quick, biology people. It's the XY is men, XX is girl, right? I got that right? Cool, okay, I did not want to get that wrong. Okay, so if a man changes his um, biological organs, his sex organs, he still has like 27 trillion of those in his body saying, no, a man. And ladies, no affront to you, but isn't it interesting that a man who's an athlete can claim to be a woman and then he outperforms every single woman he competes with? It's because his, it, he did not change. He did not change. All right, well, what about intersex? This is a big one I, I, I want to address, okay? Intersex. Intersex is when somebody is born and the genitalia, the, the organs, are not very clear. Okay? There's confusion. All right? So I want to talk about this briefly. Okay? This is distinct from transgenderism. I personally think that um, the transgender activists are actually using these people to justify their, their goal. And, and they're, they're, they're harming them in the process. It's, I, I'm trying to think of the word to use for that. And I can't remember it. But this is distinct from transgenderism. Transgenderism is a, is a psychological issue while intersex is actually physical. Okay? Somebody who's born intersex actually has, a, there's, it's confusing physically, if that makes sense. It's extremely rare. I read it's one in every one point something million people. It typically resolves as the person develops and hits puberty, almost always. And the chromosomes are usually still there, okay? They're usually still there. I keep messing up my deal. We do live in a fallen world, so I believe that is why this happens, because the curse of sin has impacted everything, all right? And then this is determined by God, not them. This is, this is key. This is determined by God, not them. That intersex person didn't ask to be born that way. God determined in his sovereign will for that to be the case. And if they came to know Christ, God would enable them to faithfully live that way to bring glory to him in this fallen world. Does that make sense? All right. Again, this comes down to do we as creatures or does God as creator have the ability and authority to tell us who we are? Really quick for the sake of time because I do want to give time for, for questions. How do we minister to those who are suffering with confusion and those sinning in rebellion in this issue? And if this is you in this room, again, this is for you. I point you back to Jesus' heart for you, first and foremost, okay? 
I point you back to his heart. So here, here, here we go. Pray. Like that's number one. You pray. If a friend tells you they're struggling with this, you pray. If you are struggling with this, you pray. You take it to the one who made you. And you love them. You love them. You have a heart. Love is a motive in you that wants to do what is for that person's good. And then you do it. That's, that's what love is. You thank them for sharing such a deep heart issue with you. If you are in this room where someone is struggling with gender identity, that internal pain is excruciating. And for them to open up about that is huge. You thank them for being so open and honest and transparent with you. Then you listen to them extensively, asking questions to understand what they're struggling with. Okay? As one leadership guru has said, people don't care what you know so they know that you care. Seek first to uh, understand before you seek to be understood. Because you can start talking and what you're talking about is not what they're wrestling with. Affirm them that you love, support, and want what is best for them. That does not mean that you, you know, support what they're thinking, but that you support them, their good, their health, their benefit. Discern. Discern where they are. Are they struggling with um, that attraction, that, that should be um, identity? Struggling with identity? Are they actually lusting? Are they moved into the sin category? They really want to transition or act? Or are they actually committing the act? Like where they're at, you know, is going gonna, is gonna to de- you know, determine how you respond. Be honest with them. Be honest with what the Bible says and doesn't say in time. Look for opportunities. You don't have to give them the whole gamut right away. And then I would say you help them. You help them. Church involvement, prayer, accountability, call to repentance. And all this determines or is, de- is dependent on the fact that are they a professing believer or are they not? They're a professing believer and they're living this way. You, 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 you need to call them to repentance and faith or to repentance. If they're not a believer, you love them and you call them to repentance for the first time. All right. Quickly here. You want to communicate these, these truths to them first and foremost. The gospel. The gospel. The good news. All right. The good news that if you have been raised with Christ, you seek the things that are above it says, you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Someone who's confused and has moved into impurity and passion, evil desire, coveting, wanting to be the opposite sex, and they're, they're, they're really wanting that, it's lust. The wrath of God is coming and the gospel is the only thing that they can be called to truly put that to death. Because if you just try to put that to death without coming to know Christ and having your heart changed, being raised from the dead with Christ, it's never going to really happen. You, 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 if they're broken free from that sin, another sin will take its place. It's like Hydra. Few of you got that. All right. Share with them biblical clarity. All right, let me just go through these quickly because we're going to go through them again next week at the end. Uh, There'll be a lot of the same principles. I want to have time for questions. Let them know God sees you. As we saw in Psalm 139, God sees you. He knows you. He made you. He knows you're struggling. He knows what's in your heart and in your mind. 
Confusion and pain are a result of the fall, not always a result of personal sin. If they're confused, that could be something wrong in their minds and their bodies. Now, if they choose to obey it, that's sin. But just because they're struggling with it, it's not necessarily sin in and of itself. Lying is what is condemned in Scripture. What I mean by that is saying you're a man when you're a woman, or you're a woman when you're a man, or that you're neither. That's what Scripture condemns. To struggle with feelings is not explicitly condemned in Scripture. Gender dysphoria is not a Christian's identity. Christ is. Christ is. Gender, though important, is not our primary identity. Christ is. We see that in Galatians 3.28. It's not our primary identity. It's not for any of us, though it's important. God gave his son to adopt any who come to Christ, including those confused about their gender. Jesus is his people's empathetic high priest. Um, as one uh, pastor put it, if anyone knows what it's like to not feel right in their own body, it's Jesus Christ. Because Jesus bore in his body, he who knew no sin bore in his body sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God. He felt that was the most foreign thing in the world, perfect holiness and all the wretchedness of our sin, and he bore it himself so that you and I could know God. So if anyone knows what it's like to feel foreign in their body, it's Jesus, and he is your empathetic high priest. The Spirit gives comfort and power to all God's people, regardless of what that struggle is. And the church is your friend, not your foe. At least this church is. I can't speak for every person who attends here, but I can tell you the leadership and many of the good people I know that attend here, we are your friend, not your foe. We want to help you. We want to speak truth to you. We want to see you succeed. We want to see you get the help that you need. We are not against you. We are for you. But being for you means telling the truth to you. Complete healing is promised. It is promised. A lot of people, from what I've read, can experience it in this life, but it will be experienced in full, every one of us, when Jesus comes and creates the new heaven and the new earth. And grace to be faithful right now in this life is promised as well. All right, some quick should I's and um, maybe some of you are, you know what, I'll leave these off until we see some of the questions because I don't want to give you time. So I have three questions that are typically asked, but why don't we go ahead and pass those, pass them this way. All right, we have questions. All right, so the first one was, do intersex people look different? That's a great question. And from what I understand, from their face and, and body as a whole, I don't think so, but I actually don't know that. Very, very much. I, I believe from what I've read that as puberty hits, as they turn 12, 13, 14, their body usually, it's, there is, it's in there and their body shape takes form. Um, but I honestly, I don't know um, that for a fact. But that's one I can look up. But I don't know that it applies very much to this either. Interesting question. Go ahead. Should people listen to their heart? If so, why or why not? Why is today so confused or don't understand who they are? That's a great question. So Jesus tells us that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what he means by that is that we say what's on our heart. We live out what's on our heart. Um, 
But what Scripture says about our hearts is not good. Jeremiah 17.9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And then God says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. He's the one who understands our hearts. We don't. Our hearts lie to us constantly. So no, we should not. Uh, search, we should not listen to our heart and follow our heart. And that, that really means your internal desire. Okay. Um, and I, the reason why everyone's so confused is because everyone has this condition. And our society has been moving very fast in this direction for a long time. But if you read Romans 1, I mean, if people think America and the West is so bad, it's just a cycle, guys. Every single culture goes really south eventually and then it's destroyed god judges them sodom and gomorrah every single man in that city came to have sexual relations with um the the angels they thought were were men every single man that's how bad that that city was and god destroyed them in judgment i work with a woman who believes that she's a man and specifies that her pronouns are male even though she's operating from falsehood That's definitely an adult. <laughs> if that wasn't an adult, you, uh, you're way ahead of your years. <laughs> that was such a long question. That's a good question. Should I call them by their requested pronouns or their new name? There's wisdom here. Um, I would say most of the time, no, you should not. Lying is sinful. So I do not believe that if a man claims to be a woman, that I should refer to him as her or he as she. That's wrong. However, I think you can avoid then just using pronouns with them if all they've asked is to change the pronoun. So what I'm saying is you don't lie and affirm their choice, but you also don't instigate a fight. That's not going to win you a conversation. That's not walking wisely, okay? Um, If they change their name, that's one I'd have to think and pray about. If it's a very clear feminine name, feminine name, I would say no. That's where I stand on that. Um, just because, again, I think you're affirming by doing that and validating their choice to switch over. If it's a gender neutral name um, or there's a nickname or if they change it legally, you know, there's, I think there's, there's some gray there. Um, but uh, I, I would say you don't want to say anything that affirms their deception, you also don't want to say anything that instigates a fight for no reason. So I I think there is wisdom in pulling back. As far as like company time and all that, I think as long as you're working and you're, you can have a conversation, but yeah, it's never okay to rob your boss of of their time. So when I used to work at Discount Tire, um, we used to just move like we were changing, fixing tires, rotating tires like there was not time to breathe. So I was a light there just because I didn't swear and talk about trash. And what I did was I asked guys if they wanted to get coffee or tea or whatever they drink or come to my house and play video games. Or I had I've had a couple guys over. I think I, I think I'm out with three, maybe four of them and shared the gospel with them outside of work. 
So in that scenario, I'd maybe look to befriend them and talk to them. Say, I just want to ask you about this. Get to know. Hope that was a good question or decent response to whatever adult asked that. You can tell me who you are later. <laughs> any other questions? We don't have any other questions? Were there none or? Yeah. Should we accept them? So, I mean, again, I don't think we embrace what they're saying as truth, but we should love and embrace them like we'd embrace anybody. Um, you know, I, I think Ben has said something like this about this issue, I think, with the other side. Like, you don't walk into a room and you know that there are a bunch of guys who are sleeping with their girlfriends and all you do is talk about the fact that they're doing that <laughs> um, in that regard. So I, you don't have to bring it up every time. I think you love them, looking for an opportunity to speak truth in their lives. But what, what I think we need to understand to be very clear and where, listen, God just might, listen, this is part of the Christian life, Okay denying ourselves and taking up our cross and following him. And that is not an easy task. You may be called in front of a room of all your peers. Because, listen, this happens in college. This happened to my brother, Josh. In front of the whole class, challenged on his belief on this issue. And you might be called to take a stand. And those situations you can't just run from. I don't think you run towards announcing to everybody what, you know, what necessarily is truth at all times to cause a scene. But if you're confronted... You have to stand for the truth, and it might cost you friendships. It might cost you respect. It might cost you all kinds of things. But guess what? Jesus says, count the cost and follow me if you want to be my disciple. That's, that's what it is. Yeah, Angelina. So you've heard the term, take the sin. Love the sinner. Right. People usually says God hates the sin, loves the sinner, and we should hate the sin, love the sinner. And what, what, that's, a, that's a nice attempt to try to help you love and not hate them. But in reality, you, you can't accept, like sin is not just some floating substance that attacks people. Sin is simply your choice to rebel against God. Like, that's what it is. So sin is not detached from a person. Okay? So God actually, Scripture is very clear, God hates sinners while simultaneously loving sinners. I don't know how that's true, but it is. Okay? And we are called to not hate anybody. We're called to love our enemies and love sinners. And because we, we don't have any right, like God does as the righteous judge, to hate the way he perfectly hates a sinner. So I don't think there's ever a cause to hate them, but to love them as Christ did. So, does that mean... I'm getting. I, I know what Piper's saying. We could we could talk about that if you want. It's the phrase. It's too reductionist. Yeah, it's yeah. Too right. Yeah. The the what, what? Yeah. What the phrase does is it separates the sin from the sinner, and that's like trying to separate the crime from the criminal. You can't do it. The only reason a crime was committed is because a person chose to do that. That's philosophical, but yeah. Thank you for the reductionist term. Can always count on you for good good verbiage. The rapper in the room. Can you see what his question is there, uh, Luke? We're, we're going to do that next week. 
if you can just wait. We're going to do that next week. Anyone else have any questions about this? And again, tonight's not the only night you can ask, okay? Anybody? Yeah, Liz. What about when people say, like, I was born this way, like, I haven't, like, I didn't choose this? Yeah. Like, for me, I was thinking, like, there's a difference between, like, you can be tempted and not sin. Mm-hmm. I think some people say that, you know, she said, what about people who say I was born this way? It's not my fault. A um, couple things. What they're, what they're saying is that I have these desires and I didn't say, hey, I want to have these desires shipped to my house and put in my brain. Can you do that? I just, I had them. And I, I can tell you this. I don't know of a single straight young man. I'm sure it, I'm, I'm a man. So I speak from that experience. I'm not going to speak to the woman. I'm not saying it's not true for women, but I don't know of a single straight young man who decided one day to really like girls. They just, we just do at some point. And then to even lust after girls. And then they could say, I have that desire. I was born with it. And therefore that's why I slept with my girlfriend. You know, the Bible though still condemns that and pursuing that desire, that lustful desire. Because of the fall, we all have different types of lustful desires in our hearts. And some of us really struggle with things. And it's not, it, doesn't, it has not necessarily hit the level of lust until we pursue it and want it. But I believe that, that category of I'm gender confused is a result of the fall. And it's are you going to believe God or believe yourself? Um, I think everyone is quote unquote believes they're born with it because it shows up at a point in time. Here's the thing though. Everyone's fallen desires are different. Okay. Some, some people have a propensity to, to alcohol. Okay. I, I, I don't, I, I, I personally don't, I, I don't have a, anything in my body that, but some people have that desire and they choose to follow it. Some people have the desire to want to be a different gender or pursue the same sex as we're going to look at next week. I don't know if that's helpful or not, but what, it will do one more because we are at time. Go ahead. Yep. What's, what's the, I'm sorry, I got to ask, what is that term? I tried to use that earlier where they take advantage of another group who's actually a victim. Ah, oh, I've, I've, I've got to look it up. Um, but anyway, what, what she's saying is what boils her blood. And I'm sure you've heard this. Like on this issue, they compare it to things like slavery and civil rights and say, you don't want to be on the wrong side of history. Like these people were, and they, and they compare it. And Angelina, as a black woman is sharing that she, that drives her crazy. And I think it rightfully should, because that's not the same thing at all. That's how God made, God made us different ethnicities and, called, and calls it good. As a matter of fact, Revelation, he's going to have all of them at the throne worshiping his son. He clearly affirms that. All right, uh, great questions. I'll try to leave more time for questions next week, because we won't have to go over everything we went over this week. Um, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to put your chairs back. And if, uh, if your parents are a little more lenient and your small group leader wants you, you can just catch up for a few minutes on your way to the gym. Yeah, give all your pens to Gabe um, if you would. And if you wrote a question and it wasn't asked for some reason or you didn't want to turn it in, please turn it in to me on your way out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word, for your truth. 
God, for your clarity on this, Lord, we don't have it all figured out. I don't have it all figured out. I still have questions on this issue. Let these young people know that that's okay and that you want to uh, meet them, excuse me, in their questions and you want to bring clarity and truth. The evil one only wants to distort and further confuse. Lord, may you, may we resist him. May we resist the culture as it tries to um, shove this down our throat, but also stand as a light in the midst of that culture, loving them like Christ did while speaking truth into their, into their hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.